Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and there's a lot going on in the garden. So today's episode, I want to talk about gardening tasks for July. So let's dig in because I know you guys are wanting to get out into your garden and get stuff done. So let's start with the first thing and I might have been mentioning this for a few weeks now, um, but if you haven't already started your course, weather crops for fall then now is the time to do so i don't want you to miss out on having a full garden um so one of the key things is timing and you want to be getting your crops in ready for fall harvest around about now certainly for me in my zone four zone five garden and um, this is really the last chance that i have to do so um so you want to be sowing your carrots for fall getting your fall favorites like kale peas lettuces tatsoi, pak choy, um, radishes, mustards, Swiss chard, cauliflower, spinach, kohlrabi and all of that good stuff. You want to be getting those sown. A lot of these things you can start indoors if you don't yet have space for them to be transplanting out and actually starting things indoors um, does offer some advantages because you don't have that variable temperature going on and your plants are going to be able to just kind of get started a lot easier than they would if they're being direct sown but you can direct sow stuff straight out in in the garden anyway and things like radishes um, peas and carrots definitely do much better if they are directly sown into the garden where they're going to be growing but you want to be keeping on top of that and make sure that you get those things in around about now you also want to keep succession planting salads lettuces um, radishes and carrots beets, cucumbers, bush beans and even zucchini to really squeak out the most of your summer veggies before the first fall frost. Um, you can even succession sow sunflowers too and you know keep having sunflowers bloom throughout the season which is great if you're planning on saving those sunflower heads to eat the seeds or maybe you want to use the seeds for birds or for chickens and stuff. Um, you know sowing a few more sunflowers is going to mean more sunflower seeds for later on and um, one of the things that um we don't often talk about is soft fruits um so i wanted to mention that if you have strawberries growing you may notice that they send out these long stalks that come off and then there's like a little plantlet at the end and those are known as runners and you can encourage those to take root and they give you free plants um, and what you do is you basically plant that little plant at the end um, or you can put a rock on that stalky runner um, close up to the little plantlet at the end so it becomes in close contact with the soil because that little plantlet at the end will send out roots and then you have a new plant and you can cut that um, little stalk running from the parent plant to your new little plant you can cut that off because it doesn't need it anymore because it's got its own root system and that's a really easy way to get more strawberry plants from just one or two that you may have planted and often around you know sort of the end of the season you'll start to see things like strawberry plants and stuff go really cheap at nurseries or even the big box stores um so you can pick up plants for relatively cheap and that's a great way to propagate them to make more strawberry plants and of course more strawberry plants more strawberries for you to enjoy let's talk about summer bearing raspberry plants because those are going to need to be pruned right after they have been harvested and for a lot of you 
raspberry plants or fruit you know multiple times during you know the summer so you're going to have like a flush of you know raspberries you might come back at you know a few days later and there's some more that are ripe and you know a week or so later and there's even more ripe so once you've got all of those berries off the plant you'll want to be looking to get them pruned um for some people that might be July, others it might be August or even September. Raspberry canes grow foliage in their first year of growth and then they bear fruit the following year. So they bear fruit on canes that are two years old. And pruning out the dead canes and those that have bared fruit this year is going to help give your plant more space. It's going to, you know, allow that airflow to happen, reduce diseases. It's also going to make it a lot easier for you to go picking in them, um, especially since I've got like half an acre of wayward raspberry plants that are really difficult to get through and around. And I was just trying to, you know, get out and explore different bits of the garden and last year when we first moved in we chopped back a lot of stuff not all of the raspberry canes but a lot of the weeds and stuff we kind of hacked back with hedge trimmers and stuff um and this year we just kind of let the raspberries fruit because we wanted to see what was there before we started hacking everything back and it's just really difficult to like get through there's a lot of virginia creeper that's kind of going through everything and it's kind of hard to see what's going on in there though i did discover that i had an elderberry plant um growing which i'm very excited by because i love elderberry um but i couldn't see it during spring like i didn't see it flowering or anything um, because it was just so hidden in amongst all the undergrowth and the raspberries there. So pruning out canes is a really good way to kind of tidy things up a bit. But it's also good for um, the plant as well. Because it's going to allow more sunlight in the next year getting onto your berries. Which is going to help them ripen a lot quicker. So when you're pruning them it's dead easy. You want to grab your hand pruners or secateurs. And you basically cut that cane to the ground. So again we want to be pruning out dead canes those that look a little weaker and those that have bared fruit that this year and blackberry canes are similar you want to be pruning those canes which fruited this year because they'll they grow on the second um yeah they don't once they fruited they don't fruit again um, so just a quick couple of tips there for soft fruits. Um, you want to be getting mulch on the soil if you have it available. Um, I know I've talked about previously that I didn't have mulch and I didn't have compost or anything this year. So this year in the garden is definitely the hardest. And that's one of the reasons why I've joined a CSA or a community supported agriculture with a local farm um, to really kind of supplement what's coming in the garden because there's a lot of learning that's going on in my garden right now right what's eating this where's this coming from like this morning you know we took a walk around the garden and something's eaten my tomato plants and taken a big chunk off the tomato plants and i can't see any tracks right but it's got to be an animal that's done that because you know it's it's too much damage to have been caused by bugs and I don't see any evidence of tomato hornworms or anything like that on the plant so I'm just I'm not sure what's causing this um so there's a lot of learning that's going on so I'm leaning on having a CSA too but I managed to get hold of some free wood chips and um leaf shreddings and stuff that uh, were very nicely deposited um at my 
uh, garden. Well, not at the garden. That would have been great if it was all the way down. Um, but they were they were left, um, you know, in the driveway. So it's just been a case of you know wandering them down with a a wheelbarrow every week or so. And it takes a good few trips with the wheelbarrow to get things covered because I like to mulch really deep. So I'm looking at at least four inches of mulch being put down. And because of where I live, I notice that in the morning there's a lot of dew even in the height of summer there is a lot of dew that condenses um you know out of the air in during the night and there's just kind of settling there on the ground in the morning so plants are getting some level of moisture but things are being lost very quickly as that sun comes up and things start to really heat up so mulch is your best friend as a gardener i would say mulching is just as important as composting in an organic garden because it helps to conserve the moisture in the soil it helps to protect the soil from being blown away it helps it being protected from being washed away if you get a heavy rain um, and it helps to reduce the weeds too so you know for many of us we don't have a lot of rain um over you know the summer so it is really important to conserve moisture in the soil to help your plants grow so planting um, a small plant pot in your garden bed like in the middle of a garden bed where it's surrounded by a number of plants that can help you get precious water from a watering can to the roots of your plant so you always want to be watering like at the base of the plant um, but I found certainly when I lived in a drier climate that if I just kind of watered things on the top, even though I watered at the base of the plant, I saw all these roots coming up, coming up to the top of the soil. And the, as I was watering, it was getting washed away, like the top layers of soil were getting washed away. So more and more of these plant roots were becoming exposed and the plant was getting more and more stressed. So I would kept going back and putting more mulch and things down and what was happening is that water's just kind of washing things away and exposing those roots but also because the plants were not getting enough deep watering as it's as it's known where you water things for a long time and that water's able to really soak through the bed and penetrate the plants were kind of growing getting accustomed to the fact that water was just going to be on the surface and for a short amount of time so those roots were all at the surface of the soil rather than growing deep like going deep into the ground where the water table naturally is so one of the tricks that i learned was if you put a like a little plant pot or even a water bottle that you've kind of taken the lid off and maybe cut the top, the bottom off, just sink that into the soil. And if you pour your water from your watering can into that, you know, bottle or plant pot, just fill it up and then let it soak down and then fill it up again, let it soak down. Just do that a couple of times a day and I like to water in the early morning because plants are able to use that water and it also helps them kind of mitigate some of those hotter temperatures during the hottest part of the day so one of the things that really helps is this deep watering where you're able to put that water into the garden bed and encourage those plant roots to go deeper in search of water rather than along the surface where they're going to feel the stress of the, the heat mulch is going to help protect the soil from the sun beating down on it it also helps kind of 
um, keep the temperature more even. It helps to retain water because it's going to reduce that evaporative loss and it's going to minimize weeds. So if you want an all round time saver, get mulching, my dear friend, <laughs> get mulching. Um, but not everybody has mulch available. And one tip that I found, which leads me on to my next point is uh, keep weeding a little at a time. But as I'm weeding plants, I'm not putting them into a bucket and carting them off somewhere else anymore. Um, partly because there's so many like weeds that I'm taking out of the garden bed. But also, as I'm removing those weeds, I'm taking away nutrients that have come from that garden bed. And weeds are, you know, they're there to stop um, erosion. They're there to keep the nutrients in the ground. Um, nature doesn't necessarily like bare earth and you can see that if you till up any area of your garden or you remove weeds from any area of your garden and you don't plant anything in that space weeds come in and they cover up that ground that's that's what they do and by pulling out those plants and then carting them off somewhere the trash can whatever um, I'm losing nutrients from my garden bed and because I don't have compost and things available yet and I've not been adding fertilizer or anything like that to my garden this is a a low input you know grown as they are kind of garden right I've not really done a lot to it other than cleared the space and put the plants in but by pulling out those weeds you can lay them down on the ground and you can use them as like a chop and drop mulch, which is what they do in permaculture. And there's plants that you can grow specifically for chop and drop mulch. Comfrey is one of them. That's definitely the poster child of um, permaculture gardening. But you can really do it with any weeds whatsoever. And I kind of like doing it because I'm just kind of pulling things out. I'm dropping them on the soil surface. The sun is going to, you know, crisp and dry those things out. So they're not going to be seeding themselves again. But also they're going to decompose. They're going to break down. They're going to release those nutrients back into the garden. And also because I'm dropping them in place, they're going to be protecting that soil too and acting kind of like a mulch. So even though I have got some free wood chips and stuff, what I'm doing is I'm pulling the weeds out. And this is why it's taking me so long to um, get my garden beds mulched is because I'm pulling those weeds out because I don't want to mulch the weeds too, like help them grow. No. Um, so I'm pulling them out. I'm dropping them down on the earth you know around the plants so maybe you know I'm corn I was doing corn not too too long ago um in a different part of the garden because I've got corn growing in multiple areas so I'm pulling out these these weeds and stuff that are coming through dropping them on the ground and then I'm just covering everything with um the leaves and the wood chips or the other way that I do it is if I've already got the area covered with the wood chips and stuff I'm pulling those weeds out and then I'm laying it on top of the wood chips so the weeds have got an opportunity to you know dry up and frazzle and I do that more with particularly tenacious weeds and um, so some of the ones that I've got are like Virginia creeper um, or there's a bittersweet vine um, that is particularly tenacious at getting 
um, rid of and just kind of pulling everything up, laying it down, letting it dry up in the sun. And then, you know, it's going to provide nutrients later on. So that's that's one tip that I found that seems to be working quite well. Um, but keep weeding a little at a time, right? And that is definitely what I'm doing. I'm doing a little bit at a time as I can, right? Remember, you know, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, right? Just just keep going, you know, a little at a time. And, you know, take take a photo before you start doing something and after, especially if you need that, like, oh my gosh, this this isn't getting anywhere. Like, I'm not doing anything. It's, it's just not making a difference. Take a picture before and take a picture after and, you know, you will see the difference. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I sort of make my husband kind of walk the garden with me is so, you know, he can kind of see what it looked like before and then I'll bring him down and let him see afterwards. And, you know, it's kind of nice, like, getting somebody else's re reaction, right, of like, oh, wow, you got a lot done because sometimes when we're, you know, in the thick of it, we don't see how much that we've done. And sometimes it just takes an, you know, an extra pair of eyes to be able to see what's happened and really appreciate what we have done um, with the weeding because it makes a huge difference, right? Weeds take up the nutrients that are in there. They shade things out, right? So your plants are not going to be getting as much sunlight and nutrients as they are. So they're going to be struggling. So it's really important to weed. But doing it at a pace that you can sustain is also equally important. And one of the things I really like to do is after I've cleared a little bit of ground, I'll go and either um, sow more crops, things like basil or Italian parsley or coriander, cilantro, or use up old seed packets of quick growing veggies, right? I've got a lot of old seed packets from 2014, 2015, something like that, right? The the viability on the seed is declining, right? Which means that you've got to sow more um, because you're, the seeds aren't always going to be um, viable. They're not always going to grow. So you want to sow more seeds out. So it's a good way to get things used up and um, get them, you know, moved through, right? Kind of like if you've got cans of, you know, food in the pantry, you want to use up those older things first before using up the newer ones. So it's a good way for me to use up old seed that is in um, my seed collection already. Or if after you've cleared your weeds, you can use it as an opportunity to add mulch if you have it available. Um, or you could even think about um, using a cover crop. So if you're clearing a bigger space, maybe you're clearing a space for next season, or maybe you're clearing a space for fall garden, um, you know, maybe think about having um, some soil building cover crops like sowing some of that mix in there to smother out the weeds um, it helps to cover the soil it helps to generate biomass for the compost heap or you can even use it as a mulch and feed the native pollinators i've sown buckwheat in the garden bed that i didn't get around to planting and to my delight milkweed has grown up in the bed along with the buckwheat and it kind of makes me wish that i had honeybees again because that garden bed is going to be loaded with pollinators once all that blooms so there's a lot going on that's that's there, but 
having a soil building mix or a cover crop mix that's in there it kind of means that you can sort of sow that and somewhat forget about it which is helpful if you're super busy um, another good task for this time of year is deadheading summer flowers in containers hanging baskets and even in the garden to encourage more flowers and help keep them looking their best i'm actually hoping for some plants to self-seed and later on in the season um, clearing some things out of the flower garden to make way for false sowings of native flowers um, on wildflowers and some of my favorite flowers that my granny grew in her garden I quite like the idea of more flowers and less grass to, to mow honestly um, but that might just be me um, another good thing to be doing at this time is to hill up potato plants or cover them with mulch to stop the tubers growing underneath from turning green and um, you can also mulch carrots too and reduce the tops turning green although my biggest problem with carrots is my 17 year old border collie helping himself um, he loves carrots and will quite happily harvest them for me um, so he's uh, got to be carefully watched while he's out in the garden um, but using mulch if you have it is you know really good and an easy way really to um, cover your potato plants and you know really reduce those ones from going green especially the ones near the surface and if you're using a mulch that helps to break down right things like straw mulches those break down but also you can use things like compost too um, that's going to help feed your potatoes and of course if you feed your potatoes you're going to get a bigger harvest and a bigger crop of potatoes too which will be great for you to enjoy later on we also want to be making sure to try and trellis tomatoes and peppers and eggplants um, or tomatillos as well to help keep the fruits off the soil. You're going to help improve airflow around the plants and also reduce disease. And speaking of diseases, we want to be taking time to look around our garden and look for signs of problems and be able to do our research on how to treat diseases that we're seeing organically it's always easier to treat the earlier that you catch a problem in the garden same thing for pests i discovered a lot of japanese beetles in the half acre of rampant rogue raspberries maybe i should put that on the t-shirt <laughs> rampant rogue raspberries um but Japanese beetles um, I didn't know anything about I'd never encountered them before and um, I found that they accidentally arrived in the USA in 1916 um, I think it was in a batch of um, flowering bulbs but they cause a lot of damage in the garden and they're really quite pretty to look at the bronze and emerald beetles they feed on plant tissues and that triggers the plant to be giving off like various um, you know volatile compounds into the air which kind of attracts more of them in and then the beetles themselves are you know setting off these pheromones and stuff which brings more of the beetles in and this triggers this like feeding frenzy and other things going on um, and once this frenzy starts it's really difficult to remove them without the use of some sort of organic control even organic pesticides and organic insecticides like those that can be used in a certified organic farming level right even those can hurt beneficial insects so it is usually a last resort for many environmentally conscious gardeners it's also a last resort for those organically certified farmers too like they want to use you know other methods of control before they've got to use the insecticides so if you check your plants often you can treat problems early 
and you've got time to research like how can I tackle some of these pests that are going on right so for example with the Japanese beetles I've found that there's different methods of control there's a method that you can use that's organically approved that can control them in the grub stage right when they're in the soil there's methods that you can then use as they're adults you can use a trap that's got like a florally scented lure in it and pheromones from the females and you can lure them into these traps and you can you know convert the traps to make them you know quite big i've seen some really cool ones that farmers have done where they go into a giant trash can that's got sort of soapy water or just plain water in there because i've seen farmers take them over to the chicken coop or where the ducks are and dump them out for them to eat which is great right free food for your poultry um that sounds like a really good idea if we're doing this frugal homesteading thing right and using things that would otherwise be a waste which also works in that permaculture mindset because there is no waste it's just getting converted to something else um so check your plants often treat problems early and also harvest often right enjoy what is fresh and in season right now over the summer there's lots of farmers markets and um, roadside stands that are popping up if you live in the city take a trip out to the country and see what you can find many farms open up for pick your own and even visits during annual farm days um i didn't realize this was a thing but it is and um we're checking out local farms nearby to get a sense of how they're growing vegetables in this climate because that would be useful to kind of get an understanding from so if you're new to an area um check out and see how the farmers are growing things if they have these um open farm days a lot of times farmers are happy to talk about how they grow food because it's a great way for you to connect to them and to connect to what they're passionate about which is growing food to be able to feed us um so we're checking out different local farms to get a sense of how they're growing stuff um i'm also very interested in how their greenhouses are made and built um, because that's something that we're wanting to do and a conventional greenhouse or hoop house is not quite going to cut it with the snow load here so I'm kind of curious how um, farmers are doing it over you know locally in in different towns close to where we are so we're going to be checking those out um, my husband on the other hand is going to be seeing how goats and pigs are raised and be able to ask questions about keeping them there's a lot that you can learn from books there's a lot that you can learn from you know listening to podcasts there's a lot that you can learn from watching videos but sometimes the best thing to do is to just talk to people that have been doing it and getting an honest opinion of this is what's been working for us this is what hasn't worked and this is some of the challenges because you have that option to ask like what's the worst thing about keeping this animal what's the best thing right what are some of the things that we need to be aware of right and what are some of those signs um and being able to talk to somebody in person about that is actually really really valuable um and also you know a good thing for you as a consumer is buying produce directly off the farm often works out to be cheaper for you um and if you can get it in bulk right now because things are seasonal they're often cheaper when they're in season why not try your hand at preserving jams and jellies are a really popular beginner 
fabulous project for canning and with lots of fruits available over the summer it's a good time to up your homesteading game so check out the preservation and canning podcasts and blog posts if you're interested in more about canning preserving or if you're in the facebook group take a look at those free canning resources that are posted in there and see about giving it a whirl this year for you and your homestead until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i'll see you all next week